0: On this week's episode, Karina Morgan challenges you with the question What if you didn't have to struggle to have a happy and healthy life?
1: Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more.
0: On this week's show, nutrition and life coach Karina Morgan and I are going to dive into life. Really, that's life because health, nutrition, fitness, all of it revolves around our mindsets and our life. This time of year, most people have already fallen off the resolution wagon. They're already back to binge eating the crap they were beforehand that they swore they would give up. That month of of sober January is gone now for February, March and April parties. And so Karina and I kind of dive into what are the myths out there in in the health and wellness space? And if someone's really wanting to create a lifestyle change with their nutrition and get focused to eating the right things to fuel their body so that they can make greater impacts, not in the gym, not just to look good, but to be fueled for life, what does that look like? What are our starting steps? If we feel overwhelmed, where can we go for that first small step to get going? And then in addition we talk about her career and how she's developed as a nutrition coach as a life coach through whole 30 programs, through group coaching, the work she's doing now and really getting out of her own way. We talk a lot about that throughout this show because it's a constant theme for many of us. We tend to get in our own way. For Karina, it was it was small bits and pieces and then we take a turn in the conversation and we dive deep. And it's some honest talk that she honestly hadn't shared before and so i think it's a very authentic genuine talk that you're going to find a lot of value of regardless of whether you're the type of empowered boss babe that she works with now or you're just the person that wants to know those type of people this episode is for you so i don't have a whole lot for you this week on the show other than to tell you to keep competing regardless of what you're going through at this stage of the new year I know many of you are facing battles and obstacles, some big, some small. But I got to encourage you to keep going, to not give up. See, there are people watching you. There are people that are inspired by the actions you take on a day-to-day basis. You may not know that. You may not see them, but they're watching you. And what you do empowers them. You see, at these points when we struggle... There's a lot of voices in our head, a lot of negative voices in our head that try to talk us into taking the easy route, to quitting or to giving up. And it's really easy to wanna lean into that because you just kinda wanna escape. Like you look around sometimes and there's no way to dig yourself out of this hole and you just wanna escape. But if you're like me, you like watching movies. I enjoy a movie, a Netflix show, enjoy a great book. And at every point in that movie and that show, there's that moment of tension. When the main character is put in this tough situation, they have to suddenly go rescue someone or save the day. They're, They're caught. They don't really know how to get out of the bad situation they got them in. They're injured, they're hurt. You see, it's in this moment that you start to connect with that character. Because you see them down, you see them with their backs against the wall, you see them facing adversity. And something in you starts to cheer for that individual. You you want to see him win. You want to see him get back up, go defeat the dragon, go win the day, go save everyone, save the movie. You want to see that person succeed because of the tension in that moment when all seems lost, when all of that adversity is against them. That's when you connect with them. That's when you cheer with them. The same applies in your life. You see, this moment right now, if you're struggling... This is when those people are connecting with you and they're cheering for you. And it's because of this tension that you're going to overcome that adversity. You're going to inspire them and you're going to have one hell of a story to write. It may not feel like it right now in the middle of chapter four, but when you get to chapter seven, eight, nine, and you look back on chapter four, you're going to realize that tough time made you a better competitor. And being a better competitor made you or allowed you to have a bigger impact. Being a better competitor allowed you to have a bigger impact. So this week, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you to keep competing. Don't give up. And on that note, get inspired, get lifted up, and get encouraged by this conversation with Karina Morgan.
2: Karina, welcome to the
0: show today. How are you?
2: I am great. How are you doing?
0: Good. I'm excited. Uh, We were getting a chance to chat off air before we started dialing in on the show today. And so I've been really looking forward to this talk as as we dive into ways people can be better competitors for their health. Uh, And so before we really jump into that health and nutrition and talking about everything going into that, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do coaching-wise, and why you're passionate about what you do.
2: Okay. Um, My name is Karina, and I am a life and mindset coach. I got my master's degree in nutrition and started out with straight nutrition coaching. I expanded to health coaching when I realized that nutrition was just one piece of people's overall health issues. And more recently, in the last seven or eight months, have transitioned to growing a more life and mindset-focused coaching business, looking at how our mindset and the way we do everything in life affects our health and how all of the other lifestyle factors play into that. I think it's all really, really connected. That's what I'm super passionate about, helping people develop as humans, um, make them happier more fulfilled and doing everything to combine all the things into just a way more satisfying life.
0: I love that. I love that. And it's funny, I, I was talking to someone the other day a little bit about your work and how I'm a big fan of it. And your tagline on Facebook is one of my favorites in that you help ambitious boss babes effortlessly create the body's careers and relationships they crave, uh, which is right in line with the kind of work that we're doing here at Compete. And so that's obviously why I wanted to get you on the show. And, and not only that, but you're very open talking about your journey and how initially in the health space, obviously now more mindset and lifestyle adding value to other people's journey. So first let's dive into your nutrition journey a little bit. I know that you're a certified whole 30 coach one, what made you want to go that route for a certification and and going through whole 30 and what do you enjoy most about really the whole 30 way of life?
2: That's a great question. I am mostly well, I'm totally anti-diet in terms of, you know, restricting yourself, making things really, really challenging and, you know, eating less. None of that is what I talk about at all with my clients. And I love the Whole30 because it's not quantity focused. And my caveat to that is the Whole30 is a fantastic tool for a specific type of person. And it's also a, not a great tool for a specific type of person person. And that's why I actually really enjoy being a Whole30 coach and being able to help people figure out when it's a great tool for them and be able to be successful in it. And so since the Whole30 has a lot of mindset work in it, it's not a, here's your 30-day diet plan and you're going to eat this many calories and you're going to eat these kinds of foods. It's a, hey, let's look at not only the types of foods you're eating, but let's look about, look at what your relationship with those foods are, like what are the habits you might not even know that you have? What emotional attachments do you have to foods? Like all these things that actually give you knowledge so that when the 30 days are over, it's not just like, okay, you know, brush it off and I'm done. It's, I actually learned something that I could use long-term and make my life better. So yeah, that's why I love Whole30 compared to other types of health or diet resets.
0: So let's, let's talk on that note because you hit a, a couple of points on the head. One, this is January of the new year. Everyone's in that yo-yo diet phase. Oh, my gosh, 2019, I'm going to the gym 10 days a week. I'm eating all the perfect foods. This is going to be my healthy year. And then we get about a month or two down the road, and everybody's falling off the wagon for the most part. They're barely making it to the gym once a week. The healthy meals that they had prepared and planned for just kind of fall by the wayside. A lot of that obviously falls around our habits and choices and and what we've set up in our lives to make those resolutions successful. And, And for a lot of times, we just say the resolution instead of creating the plan to achieve it. You mentioned that Whole30 was for a very specific type of individual, and it was not for a very specific type of individual, which means your audience knows when they come to you this is a, a, a great fit versus me thinking, okay, do I need Whole30? Do I need to count macros? Do I need intermittent fasting? What do I need? For people listening to the show that may be interested in Whole30, they they might have heard the name, they're not that familiar with it. What makes a great fit for someone wanting to step into Whole30 as a lifestyle?
2: Okay, that's a good question too. So the Whole30 is a fantastic tool for people who – feel like they don't understand their relationship with food. They might not know either way if it's bad or good they just they don't even have the awareness around what they're putting into their body and how their body reacts to it. Um, for people who have primarily eaten a like processed diet for a long time, it's fantastic because it's not the type of diet that's you know very very specific in amount and things like that it's focusing on quality which when you're starting, a nutrition journey for yourself to eat better, to feel better. You know, the number type focus is way down the road. Like if you are an athlete and, you know, wanting to really hone in your nutrition, then maybe numbers play into it. But the whole 30 is quality-based, which is like the foundation for learning how to eat better, learning how your body reacts to food. So for people who are just learning, looking to learn awareness about what, what their foods are, like what real food even is, how they can incorporate it into their diet, and how their body reacts to it. It's perfect. So,
0: so you're not as concerned with counting the calories throughout the day and making sure everything's perfectly portioned. You're more concerned with two parts, the quality of the food you're ingesting, as well as the relationship you have or don't have with it.
2: Absolutely. And I'm a huge proponent of intuitive eating. And, you know, I've been through the macro counting phase and I've taken the whole 30 and made it unhealthy, which is why I say it's like for a very specific type of person. I did, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I did the whole 30 for two years, which is not the point. You know, I took it in an unhealthy direction. And so I'm pretty careful about who I, you know, implement whole 30s with. And, you know, that's not a great fit. But, um, Yeah.
0: So let's, let's talk on that note. Let's talk on that note because obviously you've personally gone through this, so you know where it does and where it doesn't. It influences the coaching you do today from a nutritional standard, but what do you, what would you say kind of your themes or your focus when working with individuals on their nutrition are today? Is it still whole 30 based or do you take elements of that? Uh, And depending on who the person is, are able to kind of work with them on uh, something that fits kind of a standard theme or style that you like?
2: So I don't do a ton of one-on-one Whole30 coaching. I prefer to work in groups and I usually go with the official Whole30 group. So I tend to run groups in January, in May, and in September. And I like running those because of the community aspect. And I have a lot of people come up to me after those groups and say that they've tried Whole30 on their own before and and failed. They haven't made it. But having the support of both a certified coach and other people doing it with them allowed them to succeed in a a way they hadn't trying to navigate it on their own. So I don't do a ton of one-on-one Whole30 coaching. I've I've had a couple of clients come to me um, who want to improve their relationship with food and they've stumbled upon the Whole30 somehow and feel like it's a really good start for them. And I think 100% of those cases I've agreed. I've thought it's a good fit for them. So when that's the case, I will start them one-on-one coaching through a Whole30 with a focus more on what happens after. So if I work with someone one-on-one, to get through a Whole30, my focus is usually on how are we going to reintroduce and how are you actually going to use this information? Because people who tend to do a Whole30 just on their own, they don't even know what they're looking for in terms of long-term knowledge that they've gained.
0: That's uh, you. You brought up some great points there in terms of the importance of doing it with their program because of the community aspect. And community is such a huge component of it. We obviously have our free Facebook community um, for the Compete Tribe for them to get to know each other and, and connect with other like-minded people. And in the same sense, you're putting people into a situation and a group where they can support each other because they know what each other is going through in that in that instance. Uh, one of the things that, that struck up with me is listening to you talk about These different programs, and especially the fact that a lot of people try to do this on their own—whether it's Whole30, whether it's Paleo, whether it's intermittent—they go into it this time of year, especially if I'm just going to watch what I'm eating. I'm gonna—I'm not drinking this month, or whatever the case may be. I can do it on my own. All the information's out there. It's a lot harder sometimes by ourselves. What do you see in terms of your clients when they come to you that have tried it on their own? where they tend to slip up and hit those roadblocks or obstacles, um, without having a coach or a group to work with.
2: So hands down, I would say the number one reason that I figure out, they don't usually know that when they come to me, but the number one reason people will come to me having tried a bunch of different things and none of them work and they're still unhappy is that there's something else going on within them that they don't even know. They don't even realize. And that's what I usually focus on is figuring out: okay, what is actually going on here that's causing you to fail? Like, what what are you missing, or what thought pattern is off that's preventing you from being able to step into that um, program or protocol that you're wanting to do and just can't seem to get there?
0: What do you think? Is it along the same lines or different that you see as one of the biggest myths out there that people believe about? Shifting to a a healthy nutrition, healthy lifestyle is like the number one myth out there that, that you're like, I can't stand this. This is not accurate. People need to understand what's actually going on. And I ask you that because this time of year great coaches and people are putting out content and information that's incredibly useful, but there's also a lot of charlatans that are out there putting out fake information for quick loss diets and run, do this and that and, and people are seeing both and, and they don't know which is accurate and which isn't. So if we were having a conversation with a room full of people that are like, all right, I'm seeing stuff everywhere. What are the most common things that are promoted and, and told and lied about that aren't actually true?
2: Okay, I thought of one like while you were explaining it. So this one, I actually really, really hate. And it only comes up this time of of year um, is the idea that I mean, it starts probably right before Thanksgiving, and then goes through January, where it's like, on average, Americans gain five to 15 pounds over the holidays. So they promote it at the very beginning, like don't be that person. And then at the end, they're like, Oh, well, you were that person. So now you need to get rid of it. And Research does not support that at all, like at all. They just, it, it's so exaggerated. The actual research suggests that people gain, I think, I read a study on this. I have it saved. It's like 0.7 kilos. So it's like around a pound of holiday weight gain, you know, and So So, what?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the one pound doesn't really tip it for a lot of people. That's fascinating. I I saw around Thanksgiving a lot of people putting out content, and and one of uh, nutrition coaches was talking about if you look at a seven-day schedule, if you know you're going to consume X number of extra calories on Thanksgiving, and you just cut 100 to 150, which is like nothing in the grand scheme of things, out of every other day for seven days – like it's a completely equal week to what you normally have. Like it, it's not like we're going overboard and everybody's gaining 10 to 15 pounds. It's just a very easy narrative. When you have Thanksgiving, you have holiday meals, you have holiday parties with lots of alcohol and snacks and cookies and, and everything else. And then we can sell you all the quick fix stuff in January that you have to run and, and do yo-yo dieting off of.
2: Totally. And I think that one, a big problem that I have around this time of year is people setting themselves up like that they're like, okay, I know I'm going to eat a ton on Thanksgiving. So let me, you know, spend a week or two before like eating less and making sure I'm slashing my calories so that I can make up for it on Thanksgiving and everything's fine. Where it's like, if you're going into Thanksgiving with that mindset, are you going into Christmas with that mindset that like, I'm just going to eat all the things you're setting yourself up for that. Like, what if it was just a normal day, except that, you were filled with like your favorite people and amazing food, but like you ate when you were hungry and stopped when you were full. Like what if it was just like every other day of the year and you didn't have to like save up to earn your right to have Thanksgiving dinner, you know?
0: (laughs) Or go run 20 miles that morning or do something to you're like, all right, I'm ready for Thanksgiving now.
2: Yeah. And I totally, like, I'm, I'm very pro getting your body moving on Thanksgiving in some way, like going for a walk with your family. Like some people like to do the Turkey trot, you know, if you're going to be sitting all day, yeah, go get some fresh air, but you don't need to go run a marathon just so you earn your Thanksgiving.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's a strong mindset shift for a lot of people. And I know some people listening, can relate to that. So let's talk about a little bit of those mindset shifts around health and nutrition. One of the posts on your blog uh, that I just loved is talking about your recovery from exercise addiction and how, especially this time of year, in my opinion, we create these resolutions or we get into the habit of, I'm not eating as well, so I just have to exercise all the time. And I know I went through a phase uh, when I stopped being as competitive with it that I was thinking to my head, I've got to go to the gym today because I ate crap yesterday or I ate crap today. Like I I have to justify eating that by going to the gym and then you find yourself in an addiction of going to the gym all the time to justify eating crap or you're feeling bad about you skipped a workout this day because you had so much work and you had uh, commitments with family and there's a lot of unhealthy aspects of addiction to a healthy thing. Can you share a little bit about your journey with that and what you see commonly out today that maybe somebody listening could be aware of, of maybe I don't have a healthy relationship with exercise or with this specific thing.
2: Absolutely. I was a hundred percent in that cycle too, where, you know, exercise was your punishment. Food was reward or punishment. Like you're just going in the cycle and they one depended on the other entirely. And you know, the reality is you do not need to earn the right to eat by exercising. Like your body still needs food, even if you're sitting on the couch. That's why we have a BMR. Um, and I think people don't also realize that you, it, your body uses energy just day to day. Like it's not like if you don't go to the gym, you need to eat your BMR's worth of food. Like that's not how it works. Like living and being out of bed takes energy And for me, I spent a lot of years. This is the same time I was decided to eat Whole30 for two years. And honestly, that was because I was terrified of not eating Whole30. I was terrified that like I would have one piece of bread and I'd wake up like ten pounds heavier. Which, at this point, you know, it's a pretty
0: pretty big piece of bread. Yeah,
2: right, a whole loaf. But honestly, like that's that was my mindset. And it was like if I don't exercise, I'm gonna wake up fat, and then I won't be pretty. And then I won't be valuable. Like I, everything was so skewed. And the reason I feel like people exercise, the reason people eat vegetables is also off for a lot of people. They think that they're searching for health, but really they're searching to look a certain way so that they feel like they're more worthy of all the things that life has to offer. And so they stay in the cycle of feeling like they have to struggle through that in order to have a successful, happy life. And they're actually miserable doing it.
0: How, how did you break out of that cycle? How did you kind of pull away and overcome that addiction? Was there someone you worked with? Was there a process? Like, For someone that's starting to realize this could be the case, tell us a little bit more about how you overcame that piece of your life and are able to now, in a healthy way, look back on it and help others
2: through it. So it actually, it's so funny. It's like the answer is so simple in theory.
0: (laughs) Simple doesn't always mean easy though.
2: So at the end of the day, it was a choice and, um, I'll talk about this sometimes. I don't actually know if I've ever brought this up on my personal um, social media, but I reached this point. I think it was right after grad school. And I realized that, you know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten two master's degrees at the same time. So I gotten these master's degrees and yet I was finding myself in a job that was way undervaluing me, didn't treat me that well. I kept attracting in these like really jerk guys um, that only cared about what I looked like. I was totally dependent on exercise and food to make me feel good about myself. And I don't even remember where I was or like how it happened, but I just realized I was like, oh my God, I'm the one making myself this miserable. Nobody else is to blame. Nobody else has any part of it. It's literally all me. It's in my head and it's my choice. And I can choose to not be miserable anymore. Like And choose, so the the biggest choice I made in like this context is deciding that my sense of self-worth and the value I brought to the world had nothing to do with what I looked like. And once I was able to separate that, which that, you know, again, is like simple in theory, super hard to implement, but being able to separate my sense of self-worth from the way I looked took so much pressure off of how I ate and how I exercised that like my entire world expanded.
0: So let's talk about i want to i just want to deep dive in that a little bit simple decisions we know are not the most easy it's simple from a business standpoint simple to make five sales calls a day 10 sales calls a day doesn't mean it's easy to overcome that fear of rejection and pick up the phone and do that and so the simple process you went through of separating that obviously isn't something that just happened instantaneously where it didn't start to rear its head a day later a week later how did you one set up some either safeguards or habits around yourself to remind yourself on a daily basis, weekly basis that there is a separation. Um, and did you involve anyone else in that process? Was there a friend, uh, accountability group, something that you had to help hold you throughout this process too?
2: Totally. That's so funny. I did a post on this, um, back in December. Um, so there's a couple of things that I did that really helped me. I didn't work with anybody. Um, you know, looking back on it, it would not have been a bad idea to have done that, but I didn't, I did, you know, I did it mostly through myself and my support system. So one thing I did was I started, I wouldn't call it a journaling practice. Like I didn't put any pressure on myself to journal every day, but I did start um, writing down three things I was grateful for in my life, because at that point, like before I made that, that switch, I didn't even see, like, the beauty of my life around me. I was, like, so fixed on, like, what was wrong with me. So I started out writing down three things I was super grateful for in my life every single day, as well as three things I loved about myself that had nothing to do with what I looked like, and then three ways I had an impact on the world that day. And, I mean, I don't have an impact on the world by how I look. So those three things um, were always something that I brought to the world that had nothing to do with what I looked like. And after like making that a habit for a while, I started to believe it because we believe our thoughts and, you know, journaling really helps you kind of solidify and change those thoughts. So I did that and that was super, super helpful. I made the decision to cut out anyone in my life that was triggering for me at all or that didn't make my life better and elevate me as a person. And that left me with not very many friends, which is totally fine. Um... I'm an introvert and I prefer to have a small group of people, but my roommate at the time was really, really helpful. Um, she honestly like refused to have that kind of a conversation anyway. She didn't want to hear about like why I hadn't gone to the gym. Like She didn't care. So having someone who literally just couldn't give a shit about it was yeah. really, really nice. Um, I did not feel comfortable at the time, like talking to my family about it. Um, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but having her there um, was really, really helpful for me. So in that sense, she, she was my support system.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, can't uh, underestimate or can't emphasize enough the importance of, of just the journaling practice and writing down some of those thoughts daily, those daily affirmations, uh, as well as cutting those people out of your life, those weeds that are that are Keeping you from growing, um, as silly as that sounds to someone listening that that perhaps is still pretty new to a growth mindset, uh, it's crucial because you think about you know weeds, they hold you down, they they tie within you know your roots, so you're na- not able to grow to your full extent. And so I, I appreciate you taking the time to share that um, and tell us a little bit about that. It's it's funny as you talked about your roommate, it hit home with me because I was the time I met my wife I was coming out of being fairly competitive crossfit wise I had done regionals I guess a year before uh I had had a bad injury that year the next year I was kind of at that phase of like I need to focus on the business I need to get out of thinking I need to do this and she was the type of person that just she's active but doesn't crossfit doesn't like actively go to the gym she'll go for a run and when I would be like oh PR you know whatever today she's like what's that so what (laughs) and it it really was a wake-up call for me of like what I'd been doing what I'd been focusing on and and consumed by because similar to you I had had so much of my identity and another thing in terms of exercise or being an athlete which is a tough deal for a lot of athletes when they transition out of sport as you know like Who are you then? And so then you find something else you become addicted to, which for me was, was fitness CrossFit. And then you start hanging out with people that could care less what you squat, lift, run. They don't even know what half the stuff is. And you're like, that's right. The world doesn't matter how much I do X. They matter what I bring to it. And so that's, that was a huge piece for me. And it sounds like a huge piece for you of really identifying and affirming yourself daily, what you bring to the world that has nothing to do with your physical appearance, how much uh, you lift or anything. It's how you can impact others. What value do you add? And so I, I absolutely appreciate you taking that and sharing that openly with us. Uh, so I want to dive into one thing because as I mentioned, it's, it's January. It's first of the year. People are all over the board right now with their health, their fitness. They're probably in the gym right now on a treadmill with the trash bag. They've been there four times today already, adamant about hitting their goal. What are some things you recommend starting the new year of ways that you can at least slowly start to implement a more healthy lifestyle instead of saying, all right, I got to burn all the bridges. Everything changes tonight. I'm throwing out everything. What are some like ways to get people to start stepping into a more healthy lifestyle that is long-term, more? Uh, there's more potential long-term to stick with it?
2: Totally. Yeah. And that's so, so true. And, you know, it's like, we create our own, I, one of the terms I really dislike for the most part is like falling off the bandwagon because there's only a bandwagon if you create one. So like January and New Year's resolutions, people put themselves on this bandwagon that they've already set themselves up to fail, right? Cause they're like, yep. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and like have the perfect healthy life for like, what, two weeks, three weeks yeah, before they're right. like, Oh my God, this is so much. I can't handle this. Like I have no time for fun, you know, and then they, they fall off. So when I work with clients on creating like a healthier lifestyle and actually implementing it long-term, we start so slow. Um, and you, you know, you have to meet the person where they're at, you know, yeah. some people might be truly ready to make a full on change. Um, I remember when I first got well, I got diagnosed with celiac disease like <laughs> ten years before I actually went gluten free because I was like a bratty kid who didn't want to change anything. but like mentally for me, I started like I think it was twenty ten or something. you know, I started the year being gluten free like, and that mentally helped me prepare. But for most people and like in most situations, you know you don't want to just start something so intense when you've been at zero like going from zero days a week to the gym to five days a week do you see yourself maintaining that three months from now and being able to be really realistic about that like do you see yourself being able to not drink for six months for some people yes you know the answer could totally be yes but you have to be honest with yourself about whether it's a no and then picking a goal that's more reasonable and like i actually like the looking at goals in three month chunks and then breaking them down into little chunks. Like what do I want to accomplish the first quarter of the year? Like maybe it's, I want to eat seven servings of vegetables per day, right? Well, you're not going to go from eating only burger to eating seven servings of vegetables per day and expect to, to maintain that. So it's like, what if you start with, I'm going to incorporate one serving of vegetable every single day and see what that's even like. And then, you know, for that month of January, that's your goal. And you find different ways to incorporate vegetables, some that you like, some that you don't like, you like, learn a ton about how it's going to work for you. And then maybe in February you change it to three and then maybe the third month you go to seven, you know, being able to break it down into smaller chunks that you can actually do and that you can actually see yourself being able to do three months out, six months out, whatever it is.
0: I love that. I love that. There's, there's a book and, uh, that came out recently called, uh, atomic habits by James clear. Uh, and it's fantastic on this subject. So if you're listening and, and, What Karina's has just said has struck a chord of, I can incorporate, you know, one meal a day doing this. I can incorporate little by little. Uh, Clear's book, Atomic Habits, that we've got a link to in the show notes, is fantastic for that because it's about small steps in creating those unstoppable habits. Um, Karina, so for anybody listening that this conversation has struck a chord, they're they're suddenly realizing that maybe they have an unhealthy relationship with food or perhaps the gym or how they see themselves. Perhaps they understand I've gotta change the way I eat. I'm not looking for a January quick fix to fall out in February. I truly need to make a lifestyle change in the choices I'm making and what I'm consuming. How can we get connected with you? What's the best way website social that people can reach out and say hi after hearing the show?
2: Absolutely. So my website is karinamorganhealth.com and my Instagram is the primary social media I use and I'm um, at Karina Morgan Health. So similar, so pretty easy to remember. Um, and I also have a Facebook page that is the same name, Karina Morgan Health.
0: Easy to find and we'll be linking to all of them in the show notes. Karina, this has been awesome. Thank you for taking time to share insights into health, mindsets, nutrition today so that everybody listening can be better competitors for their life.
2: No, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for tuning into another episode
1: of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit competeeverydaypodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the
0: show and find resources to help compete for your best life.